Signs at Southland, Monday, June 6th, 2022. We are recording on a Monday for, what, the third straight time. We wanted to take some time to let Georgia Tech baseball run its course. We'll get to that in a second. That'll probably take up most of our day. But first, around the rest of the diamond that is the NCAA baseball tournament, had some really weird and wacky results, but none weirder than what happened in the Stillwater Regional this weekend, and I guess is what is still in progress. Mr. Purdy, do you want to set the table? All right, yeah. So what, Stillwater Regional had Oklahoma State hosting. Uh, we had Grand Canyon, Arkansas, and Missouri State there. And so what was it? The second elimination game was Oklahoma State, Missouri State. Uh, Oklahoma State lost their way to that game by losing 20 to 12. So already high scoring enough as it was. Uh, and then they proceeded to put up a 29 spot on Missouri state who did manage to score 15, which would have won every other game, except the game that Arkansas beat Oklahoma state in uh, that adds up to 44 combined runs, which knowing this is a big 12 school, they'd be wonder how many games did they outscore o- Oklahoma? Like how many, if 44 runs, was that more points scored than any of it, Oklahoma State's football games? Do y'all want to have see what – do y'all have an over-under of what that number could be if you haven't looked? I think it's – I think I would set the over-under at seven and then take the under. Okay. Jake? Hmm. I'm going to say like four. Four, take the over or under though. I'm confident. I'm gonna say four even. Four on the dot. All right, four okay. even. Okay. Uh, I just spent so, three days in a casino, so you know, just feeling <laughs> feeling the energy. The really funny, the really funny part about this is that Oklahoma State started the season against Missouri State and beat them 23 to 16. So you could in have football. taken either score. Yeah, in football. So you could have taken either score for either sport here. Uh but then, Akshay, you were correct. There were five more games that happened. So the end total was six. At Boise State, they won 21-20, so only 41 points. Versus Baylor, it was 24-14, it's so only 38 points. Uh, and then at West Virginia, they oh, – where's the game? They won 24-3, to so only 27 points. And then at Texas Tech, well. they won 23 to nothing, so only 23 points. And then against Baylor, again, they lost 21-16, so only 35 points in that game. Uh, they, no, not, to, so. not to football post too much, because we all know that this isn't a football podcast, but the, it, Oklahoma State really cranked it up on defense this year at, compared to what where their offense usually is. Their offense was definitely much more pedestrian and I wish I had the advanced metrics in front of me to really sell that, but yeah, yeah no, the most was point, much more pedestrian. The most points they allowed in a, in a win was in the Fiesta Bowl when they allowed 35 to Notre Dame. Good game. That was a meltdown at the end of that game, too. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was. I, I just want to touch on a couple of things that you, you uh, didn't mention, Jack, about these. Oklahoma State in their winner's bracket game versus Arkansas – I just want to pull up how this game ended and how Arkansas ended up having 20 runs. I'm pulling up the um, play-by-play now so I can track this. Uh, yeah, let me pull this up. So Oklahoma State opens the top of the eighth up 10-8. Keep this in mind. 
the next couple of plays for Arkansas as they bat. Uh, single, hit by pitch, hit by pitch, uh, strikeout. Walk, walk, hit by pitch, walk, homer. Uh, and that homer <laughs> is a grand slam, I believe. I may have read that backwards, but in either case, um, Arkansas collected eight runs on two hits. And if I remember correctly, I took this screenshot before the inning was over. They still only had had one, one out. Three hits, three hits. I'm looking at three hits. They got another homer after that. I think Um, they had three hits to get 10 runs or something stupid like that. That's incredible. And so they led 10 or or so Arkansas led like um, 18 to 18 to 10 after this, after this happening, <laughs> epic meltdown, epic meltdown. Um, uh, the guy that came in, uh, so they had two pitching changes. They put in uh, uh, McLean at pitcher right after the second hit by pitch. Uh, and then he gives up. What is this? One, two, three, four, uh, four runs in like four straight or in, in like four straight walks was hit by pitch. And then not, he doesn't come out of the game. He comes off the mound and then has to play third base. Oh no. Where he watches all of his walks score on a grand slam. Oh, God. oh that's oh, a incredible right there. Incredible content. And I also want to mention in the elimination game that followed yesterday morning between Oklahoma State and Missouri State, if you look at the box score for that one, Missouri State at one point in the third inning led 12-0. What? Missouri they came State back led 12 and put up 12 nothing, and, put, and Oklahoma State put up uh, four touchdowns and extra points. Jeez. Uh, not in just oh, an extra man. point. Four four touchdowns and a two point conversion. I got a two pointer out of that. Yeah, uh, just that's incredible quality content. And not only that, Arkansas Arkansas should have won this this elimination game yesterday, but crazy stuff continues to happen in Stillwater because Arkansas was unable to get out of. I think it was the eighth inning because their left fielder fell down trying to get after a uh, Oklahoma State fly uh, fly ball to left field. He just slips on the grass. Uh, ball goes to the ball goes to the fence. Oklahoma State scores two and then they leave in a pitcher too long and get homered on and Oklahoma State ends up winning 40 to 10. That game right now as we record the, the game seven of that of that regional, is in the bottom of the third inning. <laughs> Ironically, it is completely scoreless. It's incredible. I don't know how that's <sighs> possible. Oklahoma State has 65 runs through four games so far. I mean, they've all been very entertaining. Entertaining. Blood. I, I don't care how long the game is. At that point, you know, action packed. Yeah. yeah. More blood for the blood god, as we like to say on this podcast. Uh, Mr. Grant, you were not watching a lot of baseball this weekend other than Georgia Tech, but you were in New Orleans uh celebrating a bachelor party you mentioned to us before we started recording that new orleans surprisingly good college baseball town you know lsu but good college baseball town what 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 do you make of it side note on that lsu thing if you think it's crazy how much like athens stuff they sell in atlanta new orleans is a is a whole nother level whole nother level because they have not just the like 
places you'd expect to see it. But like, you know, you walk into the, the, the every pro shop, random sock store, you know, everything has some sort of purple and gold LSU thing. So makes sense that they're very into, well, until five minutes ago, this college baseball postseason. Sorry, LSU. Um, but uh, yeah, that's we'll, we'll get to that. And well, I guess maybe we won't. I don't know. This this is a podcast of, of tech sports, not LSU sports. But um, no rights violations today, Mr. Grant. In, in a weekend, in a weekend where the NBA and NHL uh, were both deep in playoff uh, contention, you know, softballs in in Oklahoma City already. So a lot of good, a lot of good baseball out and about, you know, just in, in from catching games that happen to be on uh, TV, sports bars, casino, you know, restaurants, I don't, all, that whole night. I don't want to undersell. It was on in a lot of places. So that was good. I don't want to undersell the, the uh, women's college world series either. There have been some really good, really tight games in, in OKC too. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been nice. And they've gotten on ABC like this, this whole weekend that was on ABC. So that was really cool to see too. Um, yep. Of course, uh, in that Oklahoma's a death machine. They lost to UCLA by like two runs earlier today and then came back and just <laughs> absolutely murdered them. Um, which was kind of fun in a very sickos way to, to see anything else about the general vibes of these tournaments before we move on to the Knoxville regional in specific. Silence means no. So we are going to move on to the Knoxville regional hosted by the university of Tennessee at Knoxville. As I said before last week, your competing teams, uh, the Tennessee is the one, the one national overall seed. Georgia tech is the two Campbell camels, the three and Alabama state Hornets, the four game one. Uh, was the noon kick in Knoxville on a Friday. That was a 15-8 to Campbell win over Georgia Tech, sending Georgia Tech into the loser's bracket. Uh, Campbell played some really solid all-around baseball. They had a really good pitcher on the mound, and they hit a lot of dingers. That will uh, hurt. That will definitely hurt you. So Tech heads to the loser's bracket where they faced Alabama State. Easy, easily dispatched Alabama State in game three of the regional. Uh, that is 13 to four. Final score there. They move on to the second elimination game after Campbell loses a tight one to Tennessee in the winner's bracket in the one, the 1 0 game. Uh, this is game five. Tech it dispatches Campbell 16 to five. Campbell sort of just kind of runs out of arms. Their catcher can't stop anyone from Tech from stealing second. I think Colin Hall even stole second, and we'll get to Colin in a bit. But at that point, your situation behind the plate is getting a little dire. Uh, Marquise Grissom had a really rough go in the first couple innings here, uh, but Josiah Siegel putting in some yeoman's work uh, for the rest of the game, covering six six and two-thirds with 98 pitches the only other pitcher out of tech's bullpen in that game completely saved the bullpen for game six of the first game of the regional final uh this was unfortunately a tennessee win nine six uh lots of defensive miscues in this one uh dawson brown was left in a little too long colin hall misses a 
knuckleball that headed into center field in the top of the ninth, and it just sort of all cascaded down from there. Fellas, I want to talk about this regional sort of step-by-step, so let's jump back to game one. Uh, Jake, I think you got a chance to watch this one. What were your takeaways from this opening game as we move through the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously not the way we had wanted to start, but I don't think any of us saw it as something that would be out of the ordinary, out of predictable. Um, Tech was not, uh, not I wouldn't call it overmatched, but it definitely wasn't a, um, what the heck did they do to ramblinrec.com? What? Yeah, it's brand new. Refresh as of this weekend. Wow. Okay. I was going to say, I was literally just on this on Friday. Like, I, I was yeah, they, they changed it. They changed it Saturday. <laughs> this is well, how it, you know that we are prepared for this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> I have, I have thoughts on their web design, which I will share probably at the end of this episode, but please baseball. I bet they took out. So there's a lot of like unlinked stuff in the back ends that I've just picked up over the years. There's no way that all survived unless it's literally just a, just an over uh, overlay on all the existing stuff. Anyways, it baseball. looks like it is um, baseball, love baseball. We, we all, we all are, are big, big baseball. Love boys. the yakets, baby. No. Uh, so just in, in terms of like, it, it wasn't a, it, I mean, seven runs looks like a, a lopsided score, but I wouldn't say it was dominating. It was just Campbell got, you know, on the board with five and then they got another five. And when you're giving up multiple like big crooked innings in a game, you're not going to win that. And quite frankly, I don't think anyone, at least that I was with, was all that surprised based on the pitching we've had throughout the year. And, you know, if you can't be a team that even expects to win a couple games in a regional, if you're pitching, you know, if, if you're scoring eight runs and you're not even in the game or close to it, like that's, you know, it, it Campbell would Campbell was going out there and they were going to play their, their brand of baseball and it matches up very well for them against our pitching. And I, I think they showed that in the first game, but uh, again, we can get into the second Campbell matchup and I think that'll flip the table back towards some of the tech strengths and, and make that a little bit more of a positive connotation. Right. A couple, a couple of things I, I, took away from this uh number one i guess this was technically in the second game but campbell keeps a a pack of cigarettes in their dugout which i found fascinating fascinating <laughs> on a bunch of different levels I, I i think you hit on something that i think has happened to tech in a bunch of these regionals recently right they get overmatched in this first game and they they really struggle with the concept of uh, you know, this team, this team from maybe a lower, uh, lower major is put is throwing their best guy and you have to be able to deal with that. Even if you're, you know, you're, your high major team. Um, and they just were not able to deal with this properly. They let up bushels of runs and, uh, when, uh, when they were, uh, in defensively and it, it, it inevitably cost them. Right. And I think tech has had plenty of this game of this kind of game this season, where they the runs come in in droves and it's basically unstoppable for a variety of factors, um, and some are just not even related to the pitching miscues, right? I, I 
And also the last thing I want to say on this is Jack had this one last week when we were talking about this, uh, he was like, they're going to lose that first, that first game to Campbell. They're going to come out of the winner's bracket or the loser's bracket. Uh, and then probably get to the regional final. He picked this basically straight up, but how dare you steal my next point, Akshay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm giving you a nice segue into, we, we don't really have to talk about the, the tech Alabama state game. That one's kind of a, whatever you lose that one. We have, Plenty of other <laughs> discourse to talk about, but let me tee you up for game five. Again, that is a tech win, 16 to five. You were able to catch a lot of this one. You had some really good notes from this. What did you see in this one uh, as we continue to piece together the narrative this weekend? Uh, well, also, yeah, to, re- to reiterate, I did. I, 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 I went back to found, find the document where I wrote down my prediction and I was spot on lose, win, win, lose. But anyways, uh, yeah, if the beginning felt really similar to the beginning of Alabama State, because we were down against Alabama for that in that in those first couple innings, and Huff was still trying to find the zone, and Grissom had the same problem. Like he was not he was not finding the zone early. He had 34 pitches in the first inning. Um, yeah, and if Ford, if Borden hadn't hit his home run in the second inning to lead off, I it would have been a very different. Just the vibe just would have felt really different because we were able to immediately get out of that Schneid, um, and then. What, what happened reed walked after that and then compton got hit by a pitch he got hit a bunch that day too like that man's got to have a bruise on his in his rib cage by the end of the weekend um we also got at, uh see what we had a double jackson hit it with a double play which wasn't great um also they campbell just was defensively just not in it just despite the fact that they couldn't stop us from stealing uh they also just had multiple miscues defensively that just kind of helped give give us those bleed runs that just kind of did us in early enough so we i were do want to i would do want to jump in on the on the base stealing by the way i had a count at one point of like seven or eight independent I, steals of second base yeah i don't i counted I don't, simpsons and i think it was at three by three or four by the end of the game more than yeah, four simpson alone advances. had had three or four i think yeah it was uh, stupid like that they're they, i don't know if it was the pop time for the catcher or if it was the defensive positioning but something was awry and some of those like, some of the guys that were stealing second and i mentioned con Hall earlier like they're not they're fast like this whole lineup is fast but yeah, they're not yeah, it's fast they're not guaranteed steals like chandler simpson is right yeah but uh, like just, even just compton was stealing bad. second which is like that's our third that's our big old third baseman getting base deals too so so there's something definitely wrong there, but I won't. But I'll, I'll let you I'll let you finish on the game recap here. The second inning took 56 minutes. Yeah, it was six three by the end of that by the end of that, um, which was made which was done by a Jackson very good diving stop. Um, Grissom was at 58 pitches by the end of two innings, so it just was a just a slog of a game. Uh, just like, I don't even want to count how many at-bats it was. It was just a bunch. Grissom only got to 74 pitches by the end of it, which was, I believe, Zach Maxwell's most, like that was the same number that when the broadcast were like, oh, Maxwell's now thrown more than he's thrown in however many months. Uh, and then Siegel came in. Siegel had initially started warming up in the second inning of the Alabama State game when Huff wasn't finding the zone. And then he came up to warm up in the first inning of this game. Uh, but then once he came in, it was, that was about it because what Borden summer was his 20th of the season. Uh, and then yeah, Borden got hit three times. I, yeah. I mean, that was about it. G uh, tech scored in every inning until the seventh. 
in which that was a it wasn't a one two three ending, but we were at fourteen four by that point. So the consistent barrage was good because I think it just made the last couple inches like okay, they can relax. Even though at the top of the eighth, we still got some action, but yeah, in the end, it was the kind of game that you needed to have. Like it needed to be a, a complete step down, or not step down. Like it just needed to be a pounding to instill the confidence for Tennessee. I wish the game was only like eight to four so that we got out of it sooner uh yeah i mean a, a one hour a one hour second inning is not helping anybody no it, it didn't help at all we only had 90 minutes in between games uh and we threw out this exact same lineup again so and parada had ankle had ice on his ankle during the alabama state game so yeah that that's something that i do want to uh, that, that's a good shout um he was he was icing his ankle at the end of the Alabama State game and his his defensive replacement. I I mean, when you're talking about a top five probable drop that top five draft pick, your defensive replacement is not going to be at the same level. Yeah. Um, and not having Parada healthy, I think hurts Tech and it didn't come to come back to bite Tech in the in the Campbell game. But I think no, not in that game. I did make a note that he was whiffing pretty early in the Alabama State game. So something his I I wonder if his foot was just messing up his timing just a little bit because he was missing those fastballs on the inner half of the plate that he's usually just killing 400 feet. Um, Yeah, by Tennessee, by the Tennessee game, he was finding the zone again. But yeah, it still was a tad worrying in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it takes, I mean, it's obviously going to take a while to make those adjustments. It's a, and it was a consistent sort of thing, right? I mean, he was able to play for those last two games. I think he came out, like I said, he came out a little early in the, in the Alabama state one, but it's something yeah. to, something to keep an eye on if you're a draft Nick, right? Like uh, how is that going to affect his development? Is this just like a really bad bruise? We don't really know what happened. I mean, it was yeah. right where it can't have been an offensive in, or it can't have been a defensive injury because he was, like they, it was where he was wearing the ice is right where he has pads on his ankles. Yeah. So. I didn't notice like a time where like a ball hit him hard or something, even if it was when he was catching. So, and he didn't get hit. I don't think down there. So. Yeah. Well, let's, I, I, let's, I, I, I'm going to butt back in. Cause I've been biding my time here for a second. <laughs> I, not that I say it's good that this happened, but the wear and tear and grind of being a major league catcher, 162, all that good stuff. Like, He's going to have to get used to it at some point. I, I hope it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's obviously not going to affect draft prospects probably in the slightest. If it does, people are crazy, but it, it's a good uh, example of, you know, overcoming and having to do that. So I don't think it's necessarily, uh, I mean, it's obviously not a career killer or anything, but it, it takes a lot to be a catcher. Uh, same thing you see with, you know, Joe Maurer having gone down for goal down to first base. Uh, yeah. when he, uh, when he got all like that, that's just, it's, it, it's low key. One of the most taxing positions in all of sports. And, and I don't think that gets talked about quite as much as it, it deserves to be, but. Hey, you, what you're telling me that sitting at a squat for upwards of three hours is difficult. Come on. You don't do that in your sleep. And especially when you get to the pros calling the game there too. Mm-hmm. That's. I will know. I don't think we would have even brought this up if this was a regular season game, just because the amounts of which we needed Kevin in those oh, yeah. moments. It's just like, okay, every little it, it, the sight, the senses are very heightened in this situation. So, I mean, if this was whatever random game against, what, we, I, don't, I forgot who we played in the regular season. If it was the Virginia Tech series, it was like, okay, whatever. There's more games later. If he needs to sit, let him sit. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah. when it's like, well, the season could end tomorrow or right now. So it, the it, season it, could it changes end in four that outs. So maybe, maybe he needs to figure out if he's healthy. Yeah. So let's, let's get into this game six. Like I said, this is a Tennessee win nine to six. Um, the read that I had on this one initially is that tech led this one for zip and until about the seventh. And then they started leaking a couple runs here and there defensive mistakes. I think there was a booted ball away from a double play by Andrew Jenkins um, in that seventh inning that cost Dawson Brown, a clean inning um, to me, it felt not so much like on paper, it looks like a blown four Oh lead. Um, and especially blown once you get to the ninth inning, but it, it didn't feel so much as a as a blown lead as it was staving off the inevitable, right? Like we sort of knew coming into this game how good Tennessee's bullpen was. We knew how good Tennessee's lineup was, and we were just getting really lucky that Tennessee was um, Tennessee was striking out a lot in this game. Zach Maxwell, I, I don't want this to get lost. Zach Maxwell had a really really good outing. Yeah. Um, and he, he let in a couple walks at the very end, but he, he had a really, really good outing against a really, really good lineup. And it was definitely an outing that the tech really needed at a moment. It really needed it at, um, but in, in, in essence, in general, we knew how good this, this lineup was for Tennessee and they tech was just getting lucky, right? They, they were getting really lucky with how things were falling, how balls were bouncing. And so four Oh was never going to win this game it just felt like tech was staving off staving off an inevitable outcome of Tennessee finally coming alive. Uh, Jake, I see you motioning like you have something to say. So well, you can it first. I think the, the most uh, commendable uh, or, you know, just worth shouting out aspect of the whole Zach Maxwell experience was that they were striking out, right? They weren't even putting balls in play. You can't advance the runners on a on a ground out if you're not grounding out. You can't hit a sacrifice fly if you're not putting the ball into the outfield. Like, eleven strikeouts. Yeah, eleven strikeouts, double double digit strikeouts in six innings of pitch, six innings pitched. The the man gave the best performance of his college career at exactly the right and commendable time, and kind of did what I think we kind of all hoped we'd see out of him. Uh, you know, maybe when we heard about uh, him trying to be a starter this year. So yeah. I, uh, I'm not trying to be like, oh, and then he didn't start. But like, man, like that was that was the Zach Maxwell that I think he's been able to be all along. It's just this is when he put it all together when he needed it the most. Yeah, to your I point, think... I, did a, I, I did a quick count. Nine of the 11 strikeouts came with men on. Right. Yeah. And, and Tennessee, I was, I was going to play off that too. Tennessee, I think at, at, before that ninth inning, where things sort of melted down, they were something ridiculous, like 0 and 13 with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Um, yeah it was, it was, so oh. it, it was ba- when it was bad for Tennessee, it was bad. Um, but, but Jake, I know when, when we were preparing this shot sheet, you had some stuff, <laughs> some stuff to say about my concept that this was sort of staving off the inevitable. So I want to let you, uh, want to let you run for a little bit. I mean, it wasn't inevitable. It never is like that's that's the thing about baseball. It's why you play the games. And I I don't think you can say it was like luck or, you know, it was bound to happen as much. And as as much as I want to believe that as a tech fan who who has seen this song and dance with this team enough times to know that, oh, gosh, when's that other shoe going to drop? But like 
hey, a 4-0 lead in baseball is still a 4-0 lead. And, and it doesn't matter if you're getting lucky. There, there are times when we had runners on and couldn't do anything or, you know, sent a, sent a man straight into a, an out at the plate or, or, or whatever. And you look back and say, you wish you had that back. But I don't think you can say any of it's inevitable because that's, you know, it, it's, it's not a 16-0 Pats, you know, world annihilation team and and even that team lost in the super bowl right so like what a knife what a knife twist that team specifically i appreciate that jake that was that was great that was great to hear i love that you're welcome i don't know it's just like that's the thing that drives me bananas about sports talk sometimes like you're, you're sent to knoxville it's not the it's not that the script has already been written that's why sports at least in my opinion have so much interest is you never know what you're going to see. And to, to that point, I believe the last time I checked the Maryland score, UConn was winning seven to one again. That's why you play the games. Right. So. That was you didn't it. actually say how Maryland was doing currently. I think that would have been a better fit for your narrative. I mean, Maryland is a national seed and they're losing by a lot in their home ball. Oh, I thought you meant that they were up now. Never mind. Ooh, no, 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 Joke. no, no. Joke landed very flat. We're going to move on from that immediately. But what, I, I also had another joke in the back of the tank for games or the games are played on a spreadsheet. What did you expect? But I don't know. I, I think there's certain narratives that come into this game, right? That you sort of define and you preview and you define these games by. I think that was one of them in that. Tennessee has this formidable lineup. They've won 50, uh, 53 some odd games, right? So uh, they've had, they've won 53 some odd games. They're the number one national seed. And right, it, so baseball is a game of randomness inherently, and it, it depends on where the ball lands and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I don't think you can blame you can blame people, and that maybe this is a bit in self-defense, but I don't think you can blame, blame people as saying, for saying four runs is not going to win this game, Tennessee is inevitably going to come back. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the inevitability was never exactly like nothing was inevitable. But statistically, knowing what pitching we had left after Maxwell threw 113 pitches, the feeling of it, I think, is still worth knowing. Oh. Like, I, oh, I yeah. Mean, like, I mean, oh, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the classic Atlanta sports collapse. Which I guess I can't technically make as a joke anymore after 2021. No, we've got Braves, an MLS Cup and a World Series, sir. Well, 2021 is the is the nearest Jay one. Yeah, yay! But I soccer history, go Jake. Someone's finished his copy of Loserville. Um, no, I have I have 70 pages left. Don't spoil it. Uh, I I'm getting it from you after you're done. Damn. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but but I. I don't know. It, it just had this aura of one of those late stage 2020 NLCS games where you're like, okay, Atlanta needs to score here and score in bushels or the Dodgers are going to run away with this because they yeah. don't have the, don't have the depth on the mound, which I guess was a different story in 2020 and 21 for the Braves compared to tech. But yeah, this is the, yeah, you're talking about the 18 NLDS basically right here yeah. where it, like that was what it, whichever one where Juan Uribe hit like a bunch of homers against us, that, that series was kind of like that where we knew we had the front end power 
Uh, but as soon as it got past the fifth inning and we had to start re- relying on relievers that weren't as great and our, and our bench was just not the same as the Dodgers payroll. It was about it. That, yeah, the that, metaphor, that the the metaphor is bad. The metaphor is bad, but you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. It was more yeah. so like we've all felt this feeling of imminent dread when it comes to Georgia tech baseball and baseball specifically or baseball in general um, when it comes to bullpen play. And I, I think this came twice. Right. You saw Zach Maxwell left in a little bit too long, some might say, to get to 113. Um, he got out of, I think he got out of a jam to get to, I think it was the, to get to the seventh. Yeah. Then it was Dawson, base, we had, we had bases loaded and he struck out Stevenson looking with, uh, with the 4 2 lead. So anything right. probably would have resulted in a tie game. Right. So he gets out of that jam. And then gets pulled a little bit later for for Brown. Brown gets really lucky, which this is where the, some of the luck comes into play, because he gets really lucky with the bounces, gets a couple of double plays, is able to escape a Houdini-esque escape a couple innings, and then that top of the ninth hits, and it just is kind of a he walks a couple guys to open the open the se- or open the inning, and it just kind of melts down from there, and you kind of look at your bullpen and say, Hey, I know you don't have a lot of guys, but Logan McGuire hasn't pitched this weekend or he hasn't pitched much this weekend. We maybe give him a look. Like you got to win tonight to go with, to go play, to win tomorrow. Yeah. So it's a similar story that we've seen from tech where they don't have the pitching depth to, to get out of this game or get out of the regional final um, in general. Yeah, it was a prayer, definitely by the end of that. I actually even made a note about that, like how the ball was bouncing. This was the second batter when Beck came up. It was one of those, it was a high chopper, and it was one of those that you only get on a turf field, like that just yep. goes the extra five, six feet. That yep. if it's mm-hmm. on dirt, that just the softness of the dirt and, and just how, well, I guess the fact that it's, yeah, with the difference between turf and gra- dirt, it just, it, that made all the difference. And he was in the, Beck was safe on that. And then that, yeah, like that got us. What did that do? That got it to first and second uh, because the guy at second didn't move. The lips just didn't move because it was just a ground ball. But that maybe would have saved a run at the end of that. Um, there was also, I think, in that inning, in that sequence, there was a review at second base that was. I mean, maybe I'm thinking of another game. There was. A uh, there was a review. Yeah, there was a review. It was the one. It was. Uh, uh, what was it? It was called it was out a, on the a, field. It, but it, but Tennessee was clearly safe. I think that's the first runner of that of that inning it was called out on the field, but clearly safe when it was on replay. Um, that was the one they upheld as like basically they had they said call stands on that one, and then it was the one in okay, the ninth that they else. yeah the one in the ninth was the one that they got the overturned, which brought it from one out to no outs with two yep. on, and then that that was that and then the next at bat was the ball over Hall's head. Yeah, and so just to color that a little bit more, Colin Hall's in center field. Uh, I think it was Jordan Beck at the plate. He he hits yep. a knuckler right into center field. Call is a little too shallow, about five, maybe ten feet too shallow. Ball goes over his head. Ball hits the wall. Um, I think uh, one runner scores, and then it's runners at second and third. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yep. And then and then the hit parade starts. For Tennessee, they end up getting, they get to four three. They tie it up on the next at bat, and then they eventually get. I think they end the inning with. Well, of course, they end the inning with nine. 
Um, so seven runs allowed. And it just – Dawson Brown is left in even after a couple of these – a couple of these bad at-bats. And it just sort of keeps escalating from there, much like we saw in Stillwater um, with, with their pitching situation. So – yeah. Um, very difficult to see that ritual sacrifice is a bad phrasing for this, but it had to be someone to get the, the unlucky bounces and it just ended up being Dawson Brown. I will note, I feel like we were lucky to even be in this game in the first place. We only got our first two runs because of an E6 that per, uh, when, uh, what was it? There was, there was, uh, two outs in the third when, per, and guys on, uh, was it second and third? We had two guys, or what we had. Oh, Hall was on third at the time, and Parada, he, his ground ball. I, I just don't know how I knew this in the moment, but it, like it felt a tap. I felt a hair too slow, and the guy at short. There was it Stevenson at short. Where was that short? Uh, no, who was that short? Uh, Lawson was that short, and he just didn't charge it just barely enough. And like whenever I play MLB the Show, if like the camera pans weird if you know an error is coming or when an error is thrown. And if for whatever reason, that little feeling stuck in my head. I'm like, something's not right about this at all. Throws in the dirt, we, the inning stays alive, and we just barely – we squeeze out two runs there. Uh, I, I don't know how I kind of felt something was off there at all, but, I mean, that's how we got our runs, and it was a gift. So it, the fact we even had a 2-0 lead in that, but that early, it feels like we got something we didn't deserve out of that. So – yeah, and, and I think Stephen Reed adds two more runs later on, a couple innings later, so um, yeah. on, a, on a two-run homer. So Tech was not its usual self at the plate, which doesn't doesn't help. Um, I will say that they added two more during the bottom of the ninth. Tech was the home team in this one. Tech adds two more in the bottom of the ninth. Um, they have two more guys on, and Colin Hall is the winning run, steps up to the plate. And he strikes out on 10 pitches. I think it was 10 pitches. Looking, looking too. He looking on looking. 10 pitches. Um, and that's the season. Well, that well, for Colin specifically, that's his career at, at tech, not to be ominous, but that's literally his last at bat in a tech uniform. And that's also the end of the 2022 season for Georgia Tech. So not the best way to go in terms of a final ninth inning for for Colin Hall. Um, and just a really rough end to the game and a really rough end of the season in general, general for Georgia tech. I, I did want to touch on a couple of, couple of big picture thoughts as we move forward into the off season. Um, I think there's been a lot of consternation, uh, in our writer's room. And, and I think among the Georgia tech baseball fandom about Danny Hall's continued employment, <laughs> especially that extension that he received uh, a couple months ago. Um, I will say he's now the winningest coach and active coach in NCAA history. So that's one point, I guess, in favor. And then number two, he is very lucky that one of his revenue sports coach compatriots at his current employer is uh, also undergoing a historic transformation or historic transition, if you will. So that's all I'll say on that piece. Um, I think we've talked a couple of times now about Tech's pitching situation, right? They've really struggled to develop pitchers this year, guys that we found out to be reliable last year, um, like Luke Bartnicki just kind of lost their way this year. 
um, and, and didn't really get a lot of time or just couldn't put it together on the mound. And so there's some questions that tech needs to answer in terms of their pitching leadership um, and, and how that's going. Uh, and the last thought, and I would kind of want to open this up to y'all, the ACC for all, we talked, caught, talked it up the last couple of weeks heading into the tournament and during the ACC tournament was, was kind of exposed in this tournament, right? Um, the ACC got eight, nine teams into the field and then only Louisville, Louisville won on a completely absolute jobbing of Michigan earlier today on a really bad replay review. Um, Notre Dame advanced out of, uh, out of Statesboro and then, and then VT was kind of one of the only teams that had a very comfortable regional weekend. Um, Jack, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. What did you think of the ACC's performance in, in this year's tournament? Uh, I mean, obviously I would have liked a little bit more. Uh, I mean, we're getting a pretty good sampling of all the conferences though. So far we've got what two S we got three SEC teams in right now, Auburn, Texas A&M and Tennessee, two ACCs between Notre Dame and V tech. Oh, three and Louisville. So of what's available, we're doing pretty well. There is still a possibility for two more SEC teams to go through. Uh, so we could be anywhere from tied for the best or a distant second, considering three out of the 16 available spots. So, uh, I mean, yeah, could have been, could have been better. Uh, a wake, how many were what? How many were even uh, ranked at this point though? Because like North Carolina was ranked, uh, and then Miami, Miami, Miami was. Miami's the uh, big one, I think. Yeah, Miami. Yeah, Miami. I mean, obviously the weather situation was just crazy, and so that makes this thing even more of a coin flip than it already was, just in the playoff setting. Uh, and then, well, Louisville got through theirs. Uh, I mean, obviously they have that craziness but they still got through virginia didn't necessarily had an easy one to get through between coastal carolina and east carolina uh and then and then beyond that notre dame and notre dame got and notre dame's a big it's kind of an upset out of all this though like georgia southern was they were good and they were hyped because this is the first time they got to host one of these um like if, if there was anyone up been like yeah i want to go to that spot of the ones i could have gotten to the cars right away i would have gone to statesboro Oh, and it was a it was an immense, immensely diverse group of schools that went out there too. Like, yeah, it's yeah, Notre it's Dame, Texas, it's it's Texas Tech, yeah. it's what was the, the UNC Greensboro, one? UNC Greensboro. So, just yeah. a wild mix of teams. Uh, Jake, over to you because you're the resident half Louisville fan, and you don't believe in replay review. Apparently, how did you feel about the ACC in this in this first regional weekend? I mean, I I think it could theoretically have shaken out a little bit better the only team that i I think is like whoa uh is probably miami uh miami had some interesting considerations with all the weather they've had and and all that but they were they were a great team this year and and uh i i don't know it's just a little bit a little bit odd to see them down and out so early in 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 the weekend but i'm odd but funny for what that's the rub i'm i'm i I don't cry for them uh, because, you know, it's the you. Um, but it, in terms of in, in terms of just what uh, what the ACC has done, I, I think we all kind of knew that that certain things were going to shake out uh, certain ways. Like at, at the end of the day, as much as I wanted Tech to win, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what we all expected. Right. That's not something you can be too upset about um, UVA. Maybe yeah, it's surprising not to see them in uh, 
the regional final. Um, but again, they, they were a team that was top 10 some of the year and a team that looked terrible for some of the year. So that's, that's just why they play the games. Uh, I know that I have been dying on that hill as a cliche this weekend, but with Louisville through, um, I'm going to check. I don't know what the UNC score is slash wound up being. Uh, I don't think that one's over yet. That game is not over yet. That's seven, three, uh, North Carolina in the eighth. Yeah. So, I mean, five, five through to the 16, like that's, if you, I forgot that UNC was going to hold this, hold on here, but that's a third of the, that's, that's a third of the super regionals. Like, I don't, I don't know. You gotta, that's good. That's good. That's that, that's, that's dominance. Like there's a lot, that's a third of, and that's more than your shares should be at. If you're just considering power five and there's a damn good power group of five and other schools in this tournament too. So I think, I think the, I think Jake touched on this too. It's like the public reaction or like the public narrative here is that the ACC, well, I I haven't seen this. I guess I'm putting this together is that the ACC underperformed because Miami melts down and and bows out of this tournament, Florida state, who we thought was supposed to be really good in tournament settings, bows out of this tournament early. UNC has to go through the loser's bracket. Wake forest, who we've talked about, uh, talked up a, a couple of times is, uh, sort of melted down and out of this tournament. Notre Dame was fine. Notre Dame had a pretty easy weekend. I'll, con- I'll consider it if you compare it to yeah. other teams, but Tech had to go through the loser's bracket. I'm just trying to hit uh, Louisville. We already talked about sort of just one on a prayer. Virginia Tech had a comfortable weekend. So it just comes down sort of the, to the level of comfort for some of these teams in, in advancing or, or making the regional final and not a lot of comfort, right? I mean, out of those teams, the only two that, that, sort of did as expected um in Notre Dame I think you could even argue over over uh performed like like you were saying Jack um it's only Notre Dame and and VT for the most part I mean UNC might advance and we might write that off eventually but they they had a tough road to get back to that regional final and potentially back into the super regional yeah uh yeah I mean it definitely like what they had what the they had a home run robbery uh yes second than the they second needed... elimination game. So like they, they really pulled, they, 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 they were down to their last string uh, quite, quite literally in some senses there. So uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that, that ain't easy for sure. Um, and they, what they match up with Stillwater. So if they, and they, so they could still host this thing. Like if Arkansas pulls it out, uh, which they are currently winning, uh, they get to stay home. Like that's not nothing as well. So uh, I mean, not the longest ride for Arkansas to get there, but regardless, I mean, you take what you can, you take the ones you can get at home. I and mean, obviously, Notre Dame's gonna have to go to Tennessee, but UNC could host. Louisville will not be hosting. Uh, Virginia Tech will will be hosting. So we'll get at least two ACC venues out of this for supers, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just to go over some of the other hosts, uh, I think all the hosting uh, slots, but one but two have been decided um, that's Tennessee. That's, that's a Knoxville super regional, a Greenville super regional. That's East Carolina, a college station, super regional Blacksburg, super regional Corvallis, super regional um, Southern misses in Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg, super regional. We still have to decide Chapel Hill or Stillwater. Uh, and then we still have to decide Stanford or college park. Stanford doesn't have first pitch until what, like 10 30 tonight so yeah it's a late one yeah <laughs> pac 12 kickoffs gotta love them this tournament i mean in general just to sort of wrap up the tournament itself the tournament has been fun 
I mean, squeeze play has been a really hashtag not an ad squeeze play has been a really fun watch um, side by side with, with a live game. And um, other than the fact that a bunch of these games have been super tape delayed by ESPN on their various streaming platforms, because they can't get their crap together across all of them. um, I've had a good, I've had a good time this weekend watching a bunch of baseball. I got to say ESPN with the squeeze play and the, uh, the seven innings live that they've been doing the last couple of years. Um, I, I think that's really helped uh, certain people who maybe don't watch the game during the regular season, get into it. Always see the exciting stuff. Uh, helped me stay on it when I only have one screen, honestly. And I don't know, whatever, whatever they can do to keep stuff like that going. I know they did uh, seven innings live, I think this weekend too, for the, for the women's college world series, even though it was just the one, the one broadcast, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it up on the stream or maybe that was, Maybe that was last week during Super Regional. I think that was a couple, yeah, I think that was earlier. Yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? Like that's – it. it's maybe not something that people need during March Madness, even though I know some people who really like that that format. But in terms of baseball, softball, I think it's a – I mean, especially – And football. Level, I would advertise game, it for football too. But, but it's a it's, it's facet of the game that's growing, right? Or, you know, people – that people don't like log in and go like, oh, yes, I know – Kentucky basketball is good or Alabama football is good. Right. A lot of of people may know Vandy and then it's kind of like, I don't know what's good and what's not just show me what, what's interesting. And and I think it's, it's been, it's been an underrated asset. I think. Jack, any last thoughts on the NCAA baseball tournament before we move on? For one of the first ones that I ever like fully, fully dived into to this level, I I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, And I, I think this usually always landed in the middle of like peak summer swim season for me growing up. And so just my attention was elsewhere. Uh, But being able to kind of see the vibe of this tournament and how it unfolds and just be able to follow the storylines for once, like it's, it's really fun. So I I think for those that in the future can find a way to have time, just where you got a random this weekend's for whatever reason, not big for you or your team's in it. I mean, yeah, to dive in a little bit. And now, as we mentioned, like we have the, viewing options to make it far more enjoyable and to keep you on track. Uh, it's just so you don't have to follow like 80 Twitter accounts as well. Cause there's a lot of teams here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't really get the size of the scope until that, until play starts on Friday and Saturday. And you have what, like you have 16 games or 17 games going on at the same time. Yeah. And it's, it's wild. Um, I will say, like I was mentioning before, this needs to come to football during the fall, uh, fall weekends, because man, would it be so fun to have a red zone equivalent, um, for college football, uh, go impromptu, line, I know qu- you- impromptu question. Who would you have host that? Cause it's gotta be someone good. You can't, you can't skip on the host with that. Mm. If you had a power five red zone kind of channel, who's hosting that? Uh, I would say Anish Shroff. Anish Shroff has done like a, a really good job with like, like across some of the lower tier sports and some of the basketball. Um, yeah. he, he has good energy, good vibes. And he's got a, like a PLL lead, uh, analyst position now with, with that oh, covered. Nice. So I think, I think he'd be a good pick there. None of the people that do sports center though. None of them. No, I wouldn't want them. No. I, I, I could watch it. I could watch Scott Van Pelt sell like, like daytime television. Yeah, okay, but I don't count <laughs> Sports Center with SVP is not real Sports Center. 
That is you yeah, have to give that, me that. That is that that is the SVP show all, for all intents and purposes. You know, the I SVP could, I could, show is just like late time, to, like a late time talk show or late night talk show, but with sports instead of uh, celebrity drama. I I could get behind Hannah Storm doing it actually. Okay, I think that wouldn't be awful. I think she does. Hockey. She does sports center still, right? Yeah, she still does sports center. I think she also does hockey on the side now that the rights are back. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. ESPN. I may be mixing up a couple different anchors, though. Uh, I will say that that Chris Button has done a really good job manning the desk for both uh, seven innings and um, seven innings and for squeeze play. I, I, I've really enjoyed her coverage, and I, I think the analysts that they've brought on have been really good. And, and I'll, you get a lot of live reactions from both of those shows, right? Yeah. Like these guys have, or, or the, these groups have the TVs, the the quad box, the oct box, or what what have you. Uh, in the studio in front of them or on the desk screens and um, they're all live reacting to stuff around around the rest of the country and with a three-person booth it's very interesting to see okay one person is watching a game in Statesboro maybe the other person is paying attention to a game in in Knoxville and so they're reacting to different things at different times it's it's a very um, it's sort of like watching a game um in an IRC chat or like a yeah, no, I mean, or that's on why, Twitter, that's like why, everyone is, but live. Yeah, that's why well, Red Zone like became so good was oh. because Scott Hansen. It felt like Scott Hansen was in the room with you, and mm-hmm. he had he had the remote for you. Like it, it. Yeah, he was it, like, it hey, felt like you were just yeah. He's it's like, hey, here. I got okay, a notification on my phone that this game is interesting. Except it's a buzzer in his ear. We're going yeah. there, and I yeah. think that that sort of that sort of initiative has to be something that. This is a soapbox moment, but that sort of initiative, that sort of um, content is something that these leagues need to prioritize as, I mean, like we did millennials having short attention spans, yada, yada, yada. But I think we, we're starting to get to the point where some of these sports, we realize that like baseball, takes a lot of time. There are interesting parts of each of these oh. games. Let's showcase those. Let's showcase the fun that happens in these sports as it happens and as things develop. It takes Um, a lot of time and you have to see the interesting stuff to know what the interesting stuff is or to be like, oh, that was cool. I want to see more of that. If you're just sitting there going like, like Zach Maxwell, great performance last night. There were times when Tennessee had runners on whatever. But like if you're just watching a, hey, here was six shutout innings, like for the team that's supposed to be the best. Maybe you go, okay, this isn't for me. And but that, but I'll let you finish. If you have if you have, you know, squeeze play. Oh, now we're going over there for a couple pitches. Oh, back to Knoxville. Again, the one thing there is you can't feel the rhythm of the game. Maybe you miss some of the nuance, but I don't not that I don't it's care a really palatable way to, to take to, to view it. Go ahead. And, and, yeah, and there's, going, there's going to be 32 games on at a given time. You need to get around the country in order to see all that stuff that's going on. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say that this is something that the Premier League does really poorly uh, when they have simultaneous kickoffs, right? We had Premier League final or, or decision day a couple of weeks ago. The goal zone coverage, if I remember correctly, was focused on uh, Manchester City's game. It wasn't something where it was bouncing between, bouncing between games. It had live look-ins when something happened, but the point of a red zone-like service, the point of a red zone-like um, show is to only have live look-ins. The whole concept, though, you're supposed to build the whole plane out of live look-ins, right? You're not supposed to focus on a specific game. And I think that's a lesson that the NFL learned really early on that its game is full of moments and those moments need to be showcased. 
um, and it showcased in a format that is constantly streaming like an IV into someone's veins. Um, and I think you have soccer that can really take advantage of it. Like MLS every single, every single Saturday and Sunday has a bunch of games on in the same window, but no one really ever thinks to watch all of them at once. Um, baseball, like we've talked about with baseball and softball, both at the college level and then baseball at the pro level could really take advantage of that. And baseball has it. Uh, on the MLB network with uh, beginning, which I found really interesting. Um, a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of sports and a lot of leagues can take something away from this um, and, and build upon it. I think. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Okay. On that fair note, we're, we'll move on. We have a couple other notes to finish up today's episode. The first one, your final Georgia tech athletic event of the 21, 22 athletic year is Nicole Fegans in the NCAA championships for the five, the women's 5,000 meters. That is a 725 start uh, 725 Eastern time start on Saturday, the 11th in Eugene at Hay Hayward, Hayward, Hayward field Hayward, uh, in Hayward, Eugene. Yeah. I'm never going to get that right. Uh, that will be on ESPN. So I strongly recommend that you tune in. We'll talk about that uh, in detail after that result goes live, or I guess goes final. Uh, a couple of other notes from around the country in terms of tech sports. Uh, Anthony Wilkins was named men's basketball associate head coach. Uh, there were a couple of football commits. I don't know which one of you has this open, but I assume it's Jack. Do you want to walk us through a couple of those real quick? I, it is not me, surprisingly. <laughs> I thought one of you had this open, so now I am going to vamp it, while it I get it open. <laughs> oh, no. I have it open. There was an official, uh, official visit weekend for Georgia Tech this weekend for the class of 2023. Uh, Georgia Tech collected an offensive tackle and edge rushers commitments. That's Ethan McKenney. Uh, the first member of the 2023 class as your offensive tackle. Uh, and then Anthony Little is your second member, uh, who is the edge rusher. Uh, Little is out of Upper Marlboro, uh, Maryland, which is a D.C. suburb. And McKinney is from Lasseter High School in Marietta, Georgia. So that covers the football commitments. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some tennis awards, some women's tennis awards that came down. Mr. Grant, I assume you actually have these open. Uh, I will in just a second. Uh, no, God, so prepared. Four Georgia Tech women uh, were named to the ITA All-America teams. That's Intercollegiate Tennis Association for those following at home. Uh, two doubles teams. Uh, so that's Carol Lee and Kate Cherbura, uh, top 10. Uh, and then uh, Kylie, I always say her, I always want to say Kaylee. I don't know why. Kylie Bilchev, uh, Ava Roster, who reached uh, the NCAA quarterfinals. So, um, yeah, that's good to see. Uh, 15 doubles teams earned that, uh, seven from the ACC. And it is the first time Tech has had two doubles team uh, in the same year earn that with uh, also uh, the only school uh, to put two doubles teams on that All-American list which is really great to see, but also it's one of those times when you go, man, you get, you win two doubles uh, to get one point. That's, that's something where, you know, maybe that hurt us a little bit this year and you don't even think about it until 
way after. Don't galaxy brain yourself. Take the compliment and move on. Don't overthink it. It's it. not a compliment to me. This is just Jake, uh, you know, uh, ruminating. We're ruminating. That's what that's called. Nice SAT vocab. Uh, Mr. Purdy, you have the last item on our list, which I have conveniently not spoiled. Yes. Uh, our old dear coach, depending on your attitude on how that all played out for his reign, but Coach Paul Johnson's on the uh, College Football Hall of Fame ballot this year, which is uh, re- really good stuff. Is that the right ballot? I got that right. It's the, the it's the, the national f- – what is it? National Football Foundation. Oh, it is College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College, yeah, Football, College Football Hall of Fame. Football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I forgot there was, like, another separate thing for coaches. But, no, it's the same one. So, uh, he'll be on the ballot. I'm sure – I see he is one of the nine coaches uh, that's on the ballot this year. Uh, I'd be shocked if he didn't get in just because he his winning percentage is – incredible is he was a 656 189 99 losses uh so he didn't think it's that point he was 82 and 60 at tech during his years uh he's fourth in tech history at the moment uh, and i think uh after our after collins has his time he probably will stay there uh uh at, by the end of it though so a nice little walk down the road possibly for a fair number of the uh alumni uh association not the alumni sorry the athletic association they probably the alumni association too by the end of it uh jake and i would go to another banquet at the college football hall of fame hey if they invite me i'm i'm all there you know it's a matter of getting that uh i'll I'll put on a suit and show up we'll we'll be media the last time we were there we had to push the wreck into the building not through any fault of the wreck but as long as they don't make me do manual labor that sounds good to me (laughs) i will push the wreck into the building again that was fun that sounds like that sounds like fun but no yeah it was kind of not fun I it's will, a cool marker. It's it's just a cool little marker here. Uh, I don't know when they're so the class can be announced in early 2023. Uh, so yeah, it is the 2023 ballot. Just to be yeah, clear, yeah. So so don't. So they still have to Paul's, vote on it. Yeah, they still got to vote. So don't expect Paul's name uh, on the list of College Football Hall of Fame people inside Bobby Dodd this season. But I, come the 2023 season, that certainly is a real possibility. Uh, so it'll be a cool little way to close out that era in a sense after Calvin got in. Uh, and then he'll, is Calvin still, Calvin still needs to get into the pro football hall of fame. Still, No, he was in the right. pro football hall of fame. Now. Oh, he's in the pro. That's right. That's right. He was recent. Yeah. So, yeah. He was, yeah, he was one of the recent ones. He needs to come back yeah. and get his degree. That's the important part. Oh man. Well, let's hope those credits don't expire. Yelling at clouds. He's doing all right. He's doing all right for himself. So he runs a nice, he runs a nice little uh, THC business from what yeah, I understand. So. But yeah, good news, good news all around for the Johnsons. Absolutely. Mr. Grant, any other news items before we head out for the night? Um, just a random uh, thing that came and popped up in my head. It's starting to be Atlanta summer stuff season, whether that's car shows at Atlantic Station, beer fest, wine fest, other food related things. I think Porch Fest was a couple weeks ago. It was. Uh, it was fun. I was going to say, if you're around the city, uh, it, I think uh, those types of things are things that maybe we don't talk about much because we're a, a sports podcast, but we're also civic-minded uh, gentlemen. And, and now's the time to go enjoy some of the stuff that Atlanta has to offer. Maybe go explore uh, new neighborhoods, new food, new breweries, things like that, uh, because now's the time to do it. A uh, little, little hot, but should be... Uh, it's very hot. It'd be good to get out and about, you know, whether that's walking biking going for a cruise a drive cruise you know whatever whatever that is going for a cruise yes in your boat size sedan gas is expensive right now dude i don't know about that yeah no um take marta take marta take a cruise on marta yes that sounds efficient uh mr grant 
with that being said, please take us home. From the rumble seat at gmail.com for comments, questions, suggestions. We read anything that you send there. So uh, we want to know what you guys want to hear uh, at FTRS blog on Twitter. You can find me or Jack at Jake Grant 98 or at Jack Nicklaus. And uh, that'll get you where you need to go. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with y'all and you know where to find us. We want to make this podcast what you want to hear. So have a great rest of your week. Oh,